Letter forty two of Pamela, volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela, volume two by Samuel Richardson. Letter forty two. My dear Miss Darnford, one more letter, and I have done for a great while because I hope your presence will put an end to the occasion. I shall now tell you of my second visit to the dairy house where we went to breakfast in the chariot and four because of the distance which is ten pretty long miles i transcribed for you from letters written formerly to my dear parents an account of my former dairy house visit and what the people were and whom i saw there and although i besought you to keep that affair to yourself as too much affecting the reputation of my mr b to be known any farther and even to destroy that account when you had perused it yet i make no doubt you remember the story and so i need not repeat any part of it when we arrived there we found at the door expecting us for they heard the chariot wheels at a distance my pretty miss goodwin and two other misses who had earned their ride attended by the governess's daughter a discreet young gentlewoman as soon as i stepped out the child ran into my arms with great eagerness and i as tenderly embraced her and leading her into the parlour asked her abundance of questions about her work and her lessons and among the rest if she had merited this distinction of the chaise and the dairy-house breakfast or if it was owing to her uncle's favour and to that of her governess the young gentlewoman assured me it was to both and showed me her needleworks and penmanship and the child was highly pleased with my commendations i took a good deal of notice of the other two misses for their schoolfellows sake and made each of them a present of some little toys and my miss of a number of pretty trinkets with which she was highly delighted and i told her that i would wait upon her governess when i came from london into the country again and see in what order she kept her little matters for above all things i love pretty housewifely misses and then i would bring her more mr b observed with no small satisfaction the child's behaviour which is very pretty and appeared as fond of her as if he had been more than her uncle and yet seemed under some restraint lest it should be taken that he was more such power has secret guilt poor gentleman to lessen and restrain a pleasure that would in a happier light have been so laudable to have manifested i am going to let you into a charming scene resulting from this perplexity of the dear gentleman a scene that has afforded me high delight ever since and always will when i think of it the child was very fond of her uncle and told him she loved him dearly and always would love and honour him for giving her such a good aunt you talked madam said she when i saw you before that i should come and live with you will you let me madam indeed i will be very good and do everything you bid me and mind my book and my needle indeed i will ask your uncle my dear said i i should like your pretty company of all things she went to mr b and said shall i sir go and live with my aunt pray let me when you come from london again you have a very good governess child said he and she can't part with you 
Yes, but she can, sir. She has a great many misses and can spare me well enough. And if you please to let me ride in your coach sometimes, I can go and visit my governess and beg a holiday for the misses now and then, when I am almost a woman, and then all the misses will love me. Don't the misses love you now, Miss Goodwin? said he. Yes, they love me well enough, for matter of that, but they'll love me better when I can beg them a holiday. Do, dear sir, let me go home to my new aunt next time you come into the country. I was much pleased with the dear child's earnestness, and permitted her to have her full argument with her beloved uncle, but was much moved, and he himself was under some concern, when she said, But you should in pity let me live with you, sir, for I have no papa, nor mamma neither. They are so far off, but I will love you both as if you were my own papa and mamma. So dear now, my good uncle, promise the poor girl that has never a papa nor mamma. I withdrew to the door. It will rain, I believe, said I, and looked up, and indeed I had almost a shower in my eye, and had I kept my place could not have refrained showing how much I was affected. Mr. B., as I said, was a little moved, but for fear the young gentlewoman should take notice of it. How, my dear, said he, no papa and mamma, did they not send you a pretty black boy to wait upon you a while ago? Have you forgot that? That's true, replied she, but what's a black boy to living with my new aunt? That's better a great deal than a black boy. Well, your aunt and I will consider of it when we come from London. Be a good girl meantime, and do as your governess would have you, and then you don't know what we may do for you. Well then, miss, said she to her young governess, let me be set two tasks instead of one, and I will learn all I can to deserve to go to my aunt. In this manner the little prattler diverted herself, and as we returned from them, the scene I hinted at opened as follows. Mr. B. was pleased to say, what a poor figure does the proudest man make, my dear Pamela, under the sense of a concealed guilt, in company of the innocent who know it, and even of those who do not? Since the casual expression of a baby shall overwhelm him with shame, and make him unable to look up without confusion, I blushed for myself, continued he, to see how you were affected for me, and yet withdrew to avoid reproaching me so much as with a look. Surely, Pamela, I must then make a most contemptible appearance in your eye. Did you not disdain me at that moment? Dearest sir, how can you speak such a word, a word I cannot repeat after you, for at that very time I beheld you with the more reverence, for seeing your noble heart touched with a sense of your error, and it was such an earnest to me of the happiest change I could ever wish for, and in so young a gentleman, that it was one half joy for that, and the other half concern at the little charmer's accidental plea to her best and nearest friend for coming home to her new aunt, that affected me so sensibly as you saw. You must not talk to me of the child's coming home after this visit, Pamela, for how at this rate shall I stand the reproaches of my own mind, when I see the little prater every day before me, and think of what her poor mamma has suffered on my account? Tis enough that in you, my dear, 
i have an hourly reproach before me for my attempts on your virtue and i have nothing to boast of but that i gave way to the triumphs of your innocence and what then is my boast what is your boast dearest sir you have everything to boast that is worthy of being boasted of you are the best of husbands the best of landlords the best of masters the best of friends and with all these excellencies and a mind as i hope continually improving and more and more affected with the sense of its past mistakes will you ask dear sir what is your boast oh my dearest dear mr b and then i pressed his hands with my lips whatever you are to yourself when you give way to reflections so hopeful you are the glory and the boast of your grateful pamela and permit me to add tears standing in my eyes and holding his hand between mine that i never beheld you in my life in a more amiable light than when i saw that noble consciousness which you speak of manifest itself in your eyes and your countenance oh sir this was a sight of joy of true joy to one who loves you for your dear soul's sake as well as for that of your person and who looks forward to a companionship with you beyond the term of this transitory life putting my arms round his arms as i sat my fearful eye watching his i fear sir i have been too serious i have perhaps broken one of your injunctions have cast a gloominess over your mind and if i have dear sir forgive me he clasped his arms around me o oh, my beloved pamela said he thou dear confirmer of all my better purposes how shall i acknowledge your inexpressible goodness to me i see every day more and more my dear love what confidence i may repose in your generosity and discretion you want no forgiveness and my silence was owing to much better motives than to those you were apprehensive of he saw my grateful transport and kindly said struggle not my beloved pamela for words to express sentiments which your eyes and your countenance much more significantly express than any words can do every day produces new instances of your affectionate concern for my future as well as present happiness and i will endeavour to confirm to you all the hopes which the present occasion has given you of me and which i see by these transporting effects are so desirable to you the chariot brought us home sooner than i wished and mr b handed me into the parlour here mrs jervis said he meeting her in the passage receive your angelic lady i must take a little hour without you pamela for i have had too much of your dear company and must leave you to descend again into myself for you have raised me to such a height that it is with pain i look down from it he kissed my hand and went into his chariot again for it was but half an hour after twelve and said he would be back by two at dinner he left mrs jervis wondering at his words and at the solemn air with which he uttered them but when i told that good friend the occasion i had a new joy in the pleasure and gratulations of the dear good woman on what had passed my next letter will be from london and to you my honoured parents for to you my dear i shall not write again expecting to see you soon but i must now write seldomer because i am to renew my correspondence with lady davers with whom i cannot be so free as i have been with miss darnford and so i doubt my dear father and mother you cannot have the particulars of that correspondence for i shall never find time to transcribe 
but every opportunity that offers you may assure yourself shall be laid hold of by your ever-dutiful daughter and now my dear miss darnford as i inscribe this letter to you let me conclude it with the assurance that i am and ever will be your most affectionate friend and servant p b end of letter forty two